0: Hey, all right. This is the Bartender Atlas Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lindley. Before anything, I want to say that podcasts are a great way to give your mind a break from reality. Having a privilege in life to do so is not something that I take lightly. Neither should you. Uh, on this episode, I talk with Micah Anderson. He's in Portland. Uh, we talk about his career, not only behind the stick, but also as a university football coach, being an overachiever at school, even though he was one of the very few black students. And he also has some tips about dropping everything and moving across a continent. I think it's important to point out that when we recorded this, the news about George Floyd was just coming out and marches and protests hadn't fully begun yet. Uh, We weren't avoiding the topic. There's a few spots where it sounds like we could get into it, but uh, they just weren't top of mind yet. With that in mind, if you have the time, enjoy this episode of the Bartender Atlas podcast with Micah Anderson. Where did you grow up? Um,
1: So, uh, kind of a couple different things. I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then uh, my family and I moved to um, Pinellas Park, Florida, uh, which is across the bay from Tampa, essentially. And so I spent probably my formative years there in Pinellas Park, um, you know, doing all of the Florida things, going to the beach and hanging out. Um, lived in uh, I don't know if anybody is familiar with, with Penelope Park and St. Pete and Tampa area but you know, Penelope Park is kind of not necessarily like a suburb but it's it's uh, it's not like there was a distinction between there's a there's a real distinction between St. Petersburg um, and St. Pete Beach which is like St. Pete Beach is very high, like high end I mean you know very upper class, and you've got um, kind of the buffer between that um, and, and Tampa, and then you have downtown Tampa, and then you have Zellers Park is kind of like me, like medium, um, you know, middle middle class a little bit, and then there's the south side of St. Pete, which is good uh, projects. And so I grew up kind of in that in that middle area, um, but it was it was different, you know, it was different for for me and my family. I mean, we. We moved there because we knew some folks. That, my mom knew some folks that, that lived there, and so we moved there um, because it was a better, a warmer climate a better environment for my sister. And so, uh, but about 10 years there, um, kind of growing up and doing that, uh, you know, moving back and forth between, um, you know, houses there and, and had a lot of friends in the south side of St. Pete, had a lot of friends in downtown Tampa. And then uh, in middle school, moved to Oklahoma City, and um, moved to a, a little suburb of Oklahoma City uh, that's called Piedmont, which is now it's not, but when I was there, it was, it was pretty rural. Um, we had uh, some acreage and some land, and, and you know, grew up with my dad, kind of planting watermelons and, and things in the, in the in the in the in our field and, and hanging out, and, and went to school there and played ball there, um, and then really got introduced. To the hospitality industry in Oklahoma City when I uh, about the time I graduated college. So that's kind of my background a little bit. Um, you know, um, there's I don't know if there's anything specific I get
0: into, but I'll that no man, that's uh that gives us a pretty good background to go with. What sort of school were you going to?
1: Um, so I I, I kind of I fluctuated. I know like early years um, I was in public schools. You know, went to um, Skyview Elementary and 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 stuff like that. That were, you know, and a lot of the places around there are predominantly um, well, predominantly white because most of the black people lived in South, South St. Petersburg, downtown Tampa area. And then for a little bit, I was in a private school, um, which was um, you know very. It was a it was a kind of a religious private school, so it was you know there was a lot of. Uh, religious indoctrination that went on there Mm -hmm. Um, so that was that was uh, you know that was an early thing for me Um, and so yeah that was that was uh, I didn't when I left there I was 12 I just started 6th grade at uh, Morgan Fitzgerald Middle School which is pretty pretty good pretty good school there um, in the Phonels Park area leaving there I was uh, you know I was in gifted programs and things of that nature so it was it was you know, my my upbringing was was very um, was very unique in that you know I was uh, I, I was one of two two children, but you know uh, my sister has cerebral palsy, so there wasn't like a whole lot of there. I, was, I spent a lot of time kind of by myself, but um, you know, but I was very early on just kind of in some of those gifted programs and, and things of that nature. And, and, you know, had a, I was, I really took to school very, very quickly. I mean, it was something that um, my parents really put an importance on and I, you know, I jumped in and I was, you know, straight A student all the time. Um, I can still remember the, the two times that I got a, a B as a final grade, it kind of tore me apart. so It kind of became a competition for me to make sure that like it was A's all other way. So, Um, but yeah, it was, um, the schools that I went to were, you know, uh, the, I was probably one of the only black kids that wasn't bussed in, um, which, you know, that was, that was a thing, Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of get it from both sides if, if, if you know what I mean on that. But, um, you know, but it was, um, it was, it was an interesting experience. Um, learned a lot from that and then, um, coming into, uh, moving to Oklahoma City uh, and moving out to Piedmont, um, I already kind of had a little bit of experience dealing with what I was moving into there because it was the same situation in Piedmont in the middle school and high school. I was I was of of like you know a small percentage of, of African American and Black students that were that were in those schools. I was. One of maybe two that lived in the actual community of Piedmont, so it was. Um, but you know, I I'd already kind of grew up that way, so I already know how to operate in those, in those areas.
0: It's a it's a lot to take on as a kid, too, right? Thinking that way and being able uh, to being able to identify yourself as being, you know, the only black kid in school or one of the only black kids in school, even from you know being really young.
1: I uh, it is, you know, you you've really got to. Um, you know, and it's it's not it's something that you know I'm I'm probably working through more now. Uh, you know, then you know when you're a kid, you don't really it's not something that you it, it's there and you and of course you think about it, but it's not you're not thinking about it in terms of um, you know actual like delving into kind of breaking down those structures. You're just like, man, well this that that particular experience wasn't very fun, or you know, vice versa. Like you know, I experience things that, you know, that later on, you're like, oh, well, it was, you know, it was kind of nice, like, not growing up in an environment where there was, a, a, you know, a lot of poverty and, and violence. But then again, it's like, you know, um, on, the, on the offhand, it's like, well, you know, all of these other things kind of come into play. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's unique. And, and, and I you know, I get to run into a lot of things um, even now where, you know, I've got to, you know, it's, it's tough because you you can't um, when you're thinking through a lot of those things, it's like, well, okay. um, You know, what is my, what actually is my identity and and how do I, um, how do I kind of like, you know, relate to a lot of things. And so you you just have to really be be honest with yourself a lot and, and, and kind of look at, it's your experiences and and pull from that, and that's um, you know. But it's, uh, it it definitely shapes who I am a lot, um, and and especially in these later years is, is really kind of colored um, a lot of my thought processes and and, and how I operate.
0: Uh, so. You mentioned that while you were in school, you were killing it, always straight A's all the time. Were you in any groups and stuff? You mentioned that you played ball, but uh, were you, did you do any clubs and groups and stuff, any sort of extracurriculars while you were in school as well?
1: So um, most of the extracurriculars that I gravitated towards were sport, were organized sports. So playing, uh, and I was always in, I was always in season and something, so I just went from football season in the fall straight to basketball season, uh, and, uh, in the winter. And then as soon as the spring came, went straight into, um, straight into track. And then from there, I went to spring football and then, you know, in the summer we were doing off season workouts. So I, I didn't, it's funny because, you know, I was, um, I was always, you know, at the top of the class and always doing that stuff, but I, I never really got involved in like, you know student council or any of those kind of groups it, it was always for me it was always it was always uh sports and i was always in some form of, of organized sport going throughout the entire year so um that that was my experience which is which is fun honestly it was unique and fun but
0: i'm just thinking about <laughs> uh teenage micah in high school straight a's and everything and playing every sport and how you'd probably be like dream date <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's a. I mean, I feel like that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, I I'll say I'll say this um, because I am a pretty I'm a pretty closed off guy for the most part, and um, it just kind of in the way I grew up, uh, I probably was a dream date, and there were probably a lot of people who saw me that way, and I was oblivious to it. Yeah. (laughs) Like completely like eh, like I didn't I didn't really do a lot of uh um I can think of hell. The the only I, I would think of like the only actual like party that I went to in high school was right after senior year graduation we all went to the lake, um and had a lake house and there was a lot of stuff going on. That was and that was probably the only time that I ever did anything Kind of socially with a lot of people. I mean, I, I I I literally went to school. Um, I would go hang out every now and again at some of my boys' houses and just kick it and play basketball in the driveway or whatever. Or I was at home or I was at practice. And so, like, yeah, I, I'm I'm definite that there were a lot of people that were like, "Damn, like this dude would be awesome." And I was just like blinders, like, <laughs> nah, I got I got a I got a game on fr- Friday. And I got I to gotta make sure I get, like, an A on this test on my day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're focused, you know. It's, it's commendable to have focus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after high school, did you do any post-secondary?
1: Yeah, yeah. I did, I did, my, I did my undergrad um, at um, Southern Nazarene University, which is there in Bethany, Oklahoma, which is, like, a 10-minute drive from where I live. Um, they had just started their football program. It was a year old when I went. So I took a scholarship there and played football um, for them um, and did. My undergrad was in kind of history and political science. I've always been a big history person. Um, There was a time where I wanted to be uh, a Supreme Court Justice and and an attorney. So kind of jumped into that route, but eventually kind of phased out. Uh, I I mean, I graduated in 2005. But yeah I went to school there um and that was also a very unique experience it's a very uh unique school it's a it's a it's a Nazarene school i don't know if anybody's really familiar with that but
0: um, no what's that mean
1: so, well so nazarene is a is a christian denomination yeah that is a that is a branch of like the Methodist uh denomination and it's so it's just it it was very uh It was very religious and very strict. So we had to go to chapel uh, three times a week, um, which was a requirement. Uh, There was a lot of restrictions as far as, you know, drinking and just, you know, fraternization with, you know, like there was was just a lot of stuff. Um, uh, Some of those things have relaxed, I know, um, due to some of the things that, uh, we did. Uh, my my class and the people in my class were very adamant about getting a lot of things kind of changed, um, which was interesting. Um, I when I was there, I was part of a group. Um, in Oklahoma, they have um, a organization called the Oklahoma Intercollegiate Legislature, which is a really fun um, organization which brings delegations from the different universities in the state. And we spend about a week at the Capitol um, essentially acting out every branch of government, from the judicial branch to uh, executive to the legislative branch. And so you get to you get to learn a lot of stuff. You actually write legislation. You're in um, in chambers. There's the House, there's the Senate. There's a the whole whole kind of deal. But because of that, you know, we that organization had a lot of people that were um, very uh, like socially aware um and so we did a lot of things to kind of help kind of change things i mean there was a lot of that school had a lot of uh discriminatory practices against uh people who were openly lgbtq um and that was before that was even. i mean a thing and there was a lot of i mean before I, i can remember when i went to school there we were required to go to class on MLK Day uh, until we really protested that. And so my junior year was the first year that that school actually um, canceled class on it on Martin Luther King Day. So that was also a very unique experience. Yeah, <laughs> well, no kidding.
0: Wow, you changed things, man. Yeah. So you mentioned it a couple times, uh, always relating to school, but did you grow up in a religious house as well?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, even, so even, even now, so, you know, my, my parents are, are, have always been, um, really active in the church community that they grew up in. Um, you know, that father even is, is now, uh, he's not, I, I, I don't know that I would call him a pastor, but he does, um, uh, conduct services from time to time at, at, at their local church. and uh, so it was, it was a very religious, religious home that I grew up in. Um, and, and, and for the most part still is, you know, my parents are still very, very religious and it's a very, um, you know, I, I, I love them to death and I don't, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to disrespect anything that they believe in. Um, but it's also, it's it's interesting to kind of grow up in that and then also to kind of move out of that and see, see it from a different perspective and understand um, a lot of the the racial history that's tied to religion Um and how it and how it how especially in, this, in 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 America it's it it is used to kind of kind of placate a group of people in ways and um you know it's 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 uh, and so that's that was when I as a young person I think I would say even early middle school is when I started to just before I even knew the history of the country everything I was just kind of like. In, in church services or, like, reading things and being like, I don't, this is like, you know, this doesn't feel right for me. This feels a little, it feels a little oppressive, um, both racially and genderly. Um, you know, we went to a pretty, a pretty um, fundamental, fundamental church, I guess, would be the case. Uh, we we're Pentecostal, so there was a lot of, like, you know, strict interpretation of, of biblical scripture. So, Uh, yeah, it was, it was, again, um, that, that's, that's kind of how it went down for me.
0: Yeah. It's funny, you know, I come from, you know, touring with punk rock bands and whatever, and it would always be weird when you'd start talking to bands from the South who otherwise are, you know, straight up anarchists, anti-capitalists, you know, they shout down every organization that there is, but it would be funny to meet guys who were from the South and would talk about how, yeah, you know, I understand why on a grand scheme, religion and churches are bad. However, there are a lot of communities where churches are the only way that people can get together and do feel supported. And so it's always funny to see a different perspective of it where, you know, you're raised in a specific type of religion and with a certain kind of community and you step away from it, you can see the downsides of it. But when you're actually inside it, it it can be a very supportive thing for people that otherwise don't have a whole lot to hold on to.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's you know that's a, a that's a very important thing to know and I, I think that kind of comes back to like um you know things are every everything that we look at right is is not um is not cut and dry it's not black and white there's there's duality to to almost every aspect and um so yeah you're I mean you're spot on because there's a lot of communities where your, your only support is your church community um, in every possible way, right? For, for safety, for economic support, um, for social support. Um, the, the, only, the only place that's providing that is your church community. And so it's a, it's a very tricky thing to navigate.
0: We talked a little bit. You were in university studying history. You said you wanted to be a Supreme Court justice. Um, you've been back in Oklahoma. You're also playing football. What was your first job out once you got out of university?
1: Actually, I, actually my first job was as a graduate assistant for the football team, um, and then from there, I moved into being a full time, full time assistant coach uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and so, I, I never really pursued. Anything with the degree, um, you know. I, I so I moved into coaching right out of school, um, and then while I was doing that, is when I kind of got into the hospitality thing. I'd already, uh, you know, been in some situation. Like I'd already kind of fallen in love with um, restaurants and bars and things, and you know, I that was right around, you know, if you can remember or, you know, the youngsters listening can remember to, you know, back right around, like, 2000, 2002, 2001 up through 08 with the advent of Food Food Network and um, Home and Garden. Like, all those things were, like, they had just jumped off. And so, like, that's how – that's I grew up with all of those things uh, through high school and then through college. And so um, while I was coaching is when – I just I just got a wild hair. He was like, I want to go work in a restaurant. And um, I knew that there's was a, uh, a, a friend of mine who was a member of the Oklahoma Inter- Intercollegiate Legislature who worked at um, a restaurant downtown in Oklahoma City. So I called him up and was like, hey, um, I just want to work in a restaurant. And he was like, we're hiring. Come down, interview. We'll see what's up. So my first job um, out of university was, was coaching, which I, which I continue to do. Uh, and then uh my second uh would have been uh working in a restaurant uh as as well as looking retail. There was a time there where I worked about four four jobs in the, at a time so
0: him <laughs> busy. You start working in restaurants a little while after university while you're coaching as well. Um obviously you've worked in bars and restaurants for the past 10 well yeah, 10 12 years now. How much coaching football Plays into your approach when you're working with new staff at a bar. It, it, it's a
1: lot. Um, it, it it colors a lot of how I work with new people. It colors a lot of how I build a team. It colors a lot of how I, I approach training people. Um, you know, there's you know, there's just a lot of aspects that carry over. Um, you know, understanding how to teach technique. Um, with clear and concise direction, um, using buzzwords and keywords in order to kind of drive things home, so that you're saying a lot of the same things over and over on a daily basis, um, so that it that it creates so it just kind of creates that that memory, um, a repetition, and understanding that you know we need to do a lot of the same movements over and over again. We need to do a lot of the same things. We need to set things up the same way over and over again until it just becomes kind of a natural thing. Um, you know, so all of those things are things that as a coach, that's how you approach teaching techniques and then being successful. Uh, and then also just kind of like look like reevaluating yourself over and over again. Um, kind of doing self-scouting and being like, all right, like, you know, let's take a look at what we did and what we can do better, and how we can how we can kind of improve. So, I I take a lot um, even now from from coaching into uh, into how I bartend, into how I work with people in a team, and understand both my role and their role, um, and then also um, onboarding and training people and, and setting up a program in order for it to be successful. Um, you know a lot of it is I think probably the biggest thing that I've taken from it is, is that um, it's better to, to keep things simple and, and be repetitious and learn it and be really good at it and do, do what you do well than to try to do a whole lot of different things so yeah that's a, that's a big part of, of how I approach um, being behind the bar
0: And so, as well as being behind the bar, you, and this is part of the reason that we reached out and wanted you to be part of the podcast, the first time you and I met, you had sight unseen, knowing nobody in Toronto, took off, came to hang out for three days for what was kind of, sort of supposed to be a bar institute that happened here. Just diving in and going out and doing stuff and experiencing things, uh, it's really, I mean, it's admirable, but you've done that with a couple different things. You've taken part in Camp Runamuck and uh, Josh Davis' Brown and Balanced. What draws you to jump out from these routines or is it a desire to keep learning things? Is it a history thing even? And you want to, you know, experience stuff. What, uh, what draws you out from behind the bar to go and do this? I mean, there's, you know,
1: that's a really good question. Um, I think a lot of it starts... First, with um, with my mom, who has always had a little bit of a restless, like travel bug, and and recently I learned that my dad's this way too. He just doesn't, um, we just never saw it as much. But um, I, I can't sit still in one place for too long, um, so that's kind of the first thing. Um, so every six to seven months or so, I start getting like this itch to just I gotta go somewhere and do something different, right? And so that was kind of, that's kind of like, and that's just something that is inherent in in, in me as a person. Um, And so you take that and you couple it with um, a desire to to learn more about what I'm doing. I've always wanted to, uh, you know, anytime I get into something, like I said, I want to do it full on. Um, I want to learn it. When I coached, I was constantly um, you know, trying to find clinic videos on YouTube or go to coaches' clinics and learn things from people, different techniques, different ways of doing things. Trying to go and talk to staff. And so when I got into the bar, it was it was kind of the same. And I can remember the first time I went to Bar Institute was in Austin, and it was just a it was on a whim really. But the, the, the USBG in Oklahoma City was like, hey, we got a. Um, we have an a Airbnb um, in Austin for Bar Institute. And I was like, I don't even know what Bar Institute is. I don't even know what y'all are talking about, but if y'all have space, like, I'll go. Um, and so I just, I took off, hopped in the car with some friends, and we, we drove down there. Um, and learning, like, being introduced to that, and, being, and having, like, that whole kind of world opened up, where I was like, whoa, like, this is on a whole different level. Um, learning about consulting and learning about bar design and learning about, the cocktail menu writing and learning about all of these things and I was like okay like this is I need to do as much of this as I possibly can. I need to learn all of the things. I need to talk to all of the people um, and so from there uh, it was really easy because I already have a restless nature to just be like alright like I'm going to book this trip and I'm going to book that trip and I'm going to book that trip and part of it is definitely I want to learn like all these things but all the other part of it too is like I, I want to explore new things um, so whenever there's was an opportunity to go to a place like Toronto, I was like, I'm going, I've, I've never been in to Toronto before. I may never get a chance to go back to Toronto again. Uh, I have the time, I have the funds. I'm going to go, like, you're not like, I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to go hang out. I'm going to go learn all the things that they've got to teach me. And I'm going to go explore the city of Toronto. Um, and so, that's just kind of how I have been uh, my whole life. Uh, I grew up traveling with my mom a lot, like I said. And so it just kind of transitioned over as I got older to, you know, any chance that I get to go somewhere um, and explore something new and learn something, uh, I'm going to take it.
0: Was it two years ago you left OKC and you've been living in Portland?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) moved out. It will be two years in, um, October, this coming October, it'll be a full two years that I moved. Um, or actually, yeah, right. That's when I signed a lease. And then in December, I actually moved, but yeah. And, and that was really kind of it, you know, I just kind of got to a point point in OKC where, um, you know, I kind of done a lot of the things and I was like, all right, I knew that I liked this city. I knew that this city had a lot to teach me. Um, and you know, I wanted, I wanted to experience something different and do something different. And so um, I made the move. It timed out right, which, you know, that always helps. Um, you know, my, my lease in Oklahoma City ended in November, and I signed the lease out here uh, at a place in October. And I was like, all right, this, this times out correctly. I didn't have anything tying me down um, as far as family obligations or anything like that or job obligations and so it was really easy for me to transist, and um, it's been great this move has been amazing I, I love it out here it's uh, the city is welcoming it's it's great it's uh, very easy to kind of get around uh, the the hospitality scene out here is wonderful and there's so much to learn there's so many people out here that are doing amazing things that you can learn from both um, back of house front of house and the kitchen on the on the floor bartending and all of those things and there's um you know i've learned a lot about that side of things i've learned a lot about myself just personally because there's a lot of the, the mindset in portland is different um than the mindset in oklahoma city when it comes to um you know kind of social uh social things and and the way that you know we navigate Different communities of people, um the mindset here is, is much more open and much more, uh, welcoming than it is in Oklahoma City. Uh, and not to say that in Oklahoma City, it's just like completely closed off. It's, it's, it's growing there and it's changing there. um it's just that I'm, I'm not a young person. So, um I, it was good for me to kind of get into an environment where, where things were a little, a little bit more welcoming.
0: I want to get back and talk about Oklahoma in a minute just about something you posted a while ago but when you were making the move from OKC to Portland, did you have a gig lined up already? Did you Could you like walk into a job or did you get there and sort of feel it out while you were there? Did you save up a bunch of money beforehand so you could take the time to feel it out or did you kind of hit the ground running when you got there?
1: So I- I did what I would not recommend other people doing. Um, I signed a lease before I had anything set up and I didn't have anything saved. It was just like, I'm going, we'll figure it out when I get there. Um, which is kind of how I approached it. Um, and you know, I, I I didn't, I honestly didn't realize how competitive it was out here until I got out here. Um, and people were like, all right, man, we'll see. (laughs) Um, because it's not—it's—it's it's pretty competitive for people who are not from Portland. Basically, like if we don't like folks out here are in the in the beds and in hospitality industry, it's like if we don't know you, you know, it's kind of hard for us to kind of to put you behind the bar in front of people because mm-hmm. we don't really know what you can can and can't do. Uh, but I got I got extremely lucky um, because um, a spot at the Rum Club opened up right around the time. Uh, I was moving and I, I knew someone who worked there uh, kind of going back to, you know, picking up and just traveling and going and meeting people and learning things. Right. Um, so that really helped me because I, I knew some folks from when I had done that before uh, and they were able to facilitate me getting an interview uh, and a stage. And uh, I ended up getting hired and uh, fairly like literally, I actually left about a week earlier than I planned to get out here for the interview on the stage because um, I ended up kind of getting that job. So I, I got I got really lucky. I wouldn't recommend other people doing what I did.
0: Um, <laughs> you made it work though. I
1: would definitely say put some money put some money back, research the market you're going to, and 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 you know, kind of prepare yourself for for not having a job for a a couple months when you make a move like that. Don't, don't do
0: what I did. (laughs) It's not smart. And then a few weeks ago when, uh, Tiger King first aired, um, you posted something. It was so well worded. I won't even try to imitate it, but basically you were saying, why the fuck is everyone always shitting on Oklahoma? I can't wait to make a TV show that shows you how great of a state it can be. Um, so obviously, like you've moved away from it, do you feel like you you appreciate Oklahoma more now that you're not living there?
1: Um, I, I don't. I don't know that I would say I appreciate it more. Um, I I I I was born in Oklahoma and and lived there for a long time, and the state of Oklahoma is a, is a is a wonderful, amazing state. Uh, first and foremost, um, are there some people there who have got some ideas that are not? Uh, that I don't agree with for sure Um, but I can find that you can find that anywhere I I can drive I can drive 45 minutes east of where I'm standing right now and I can run into a lot of those same ideas right here in Oregon right so that's just that's just part of America at this point Um, you know that's just what it is but the state of Oklahoma first and foremost is is a gorgeous beautiful state um and, and you know living there the, the people there for the, the most part the majority of the people there have just huge huge hearts um, and most of them once you know, if you were to explain to them a situation they're gonna I mean they're gonna open their door and they're going they're gonna do everything they can to make you feel welcome and to make you to give you what you need and um, you know, in the face of multiple tragedies, I mean, we have tornadoes every single year in that state, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's tornado season's a thing. And in the face of multiple tragedies, you will see the entire state just pour itself out to rebuild communities and to help people. And it's, it's great. And, and so I, yeah, I wouldn't say that I, that I appreciate it any more than I did. Um, I, and I think that's, I think that's one of those things where like, you know, people kind of look at what I did and other people are like, well, you moved away, you got out, right? Like you, you know, you, you, you escaped and it was like, no, that's not how I view it. I view it more of, I, I wanted a change of scenery, um, because I had been there for a long time and, you know, it was just time for me to do something different, um, but I, like my heart is always is always going to be there and I, I you know i have a lot of connections there and i am always looking at what's going on and you know the community there is growing um, and, and doing wonderful things and so um, you know and i and i'm not going to say that i wouldn't see myself back in up city at some point either
0: earlier you mentioned around 2001 2002 you were high school and then university and you were very interested in Food TV and uh, those kind of things, the food competition shows popping off. Uh, who's your favorite chef?
1: Oh, man. Um,
0: Word on the street is it's fellow Torontonian, Maddie Matheson.
1: <laughs> I, so, Matt, I didn't get into Maddie until um, maybe like four or five years ago. I, I love Maddie Matheson. That dude is amazing. Um, I've never met him in person, but yo, like, like I could watch his, like, cooking shows all day. Matter of fact, I'm glad that you brought that up because of all the stuff that's going on on TV right now. I've been needing something to kind of take my mind off of it, and I'm probably going to watch some Maddie Max in a bit because um, I love that guy. Uh, growing up, I would say before I knew who that was, um, I was a huge um, Emil Lagasse fan, and this was when I was younger and didn't didn't, you know, this is before all of the controversial things, but I used to watch Emerald. I used to watch Emerald Live, um, religiously. I mean, I would, it, it was on and I, I mean, I was there for it. Um, and then I think, you know, here, like after that, probably like when I started watching all of the, all of the, uh, competitions and, and, and things and, uh, Tom Colicchio on uh, oh I forget the name of the show uh, where they bring all the chefs together yeah Um, but yeah Tom Colicchio I thought was like I just he always he always was like put together right he always had like this amazing suit on that was tailored and you know he always had like this really awesome demeanor but he could cook his ass off and I was like that dude's amazing um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would have to say that, you know, I'd have to give you three. I have to say, like, Emerald to start and then Tom Colicchio and then here recently, I I definitely say Maddie Matheson is, is up there.
0: Well, the good news about Maddie is that, uh, what you see is exactly who he is all the time. You'll meet him in person someday and you will be shocked at how he is not turning it on for a camera ever. It's just kind of who he is and it's amazing
1: that's awesome. Like I, that would be super, super dope. I, I can't wait to <laughs> tell that guy at some point. That'd be
0: the best. Yeah. He's, he's pretty <laughs> hilarious. Okay. Uh, Micah, thanks again for taking time to talk with us. If people want to follow you or ask you questions or can relate on some of the stories that you've told, how do they reach out to you?
1: Uh, yeah. So my, uh, my, my Instagram account is at, Coach A twenty seven. It's all lowercase on the spelling. Um and it's all it, there's no space in between. And that's probably the best way to follow me because everything that goes to my pretty much it goes to my Facebook and my Twitter come from my Instagram. Um so my Instagram is at coach A twenty seven.
0: So Micah, thanks again so much, man.
1: Thank you, Josh. This has been great.
0: Thanks again to Micah for taking the time to chat so openly. If you don't already, go follow Mike on all forms of social media. Uh, Since the recording happened, he's been very vocal and thoughtful about everything happening in the USA, and of course, we support him. My name's Josh Lindley. Two weeks from now, we'll have another interview. If you want to reach out, please do so. At Bartender Atlas on all social media is the best way to find me. And in the meantime, please stay safe.